Welcome to Proteins Podcast, Stories of Growth, a series of conversations with founders and thought leaders doing amazing things around the globe who share their stories of growth and the lessons they've learned along the way. My name is Kess, I'm one of our community managers of Protein DAO, focusing on our events and our community content. I'm also studying an MA in Internet Equalities at the UALCCI, so I'm obsessed with people who are dedicating themselves to creating safer digital spaces and using tech for good. For this episode, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Molly Dixon, founder of Cowgirl DAO, who have brought a whole new light to DAO activism in their incredible fight to support and raise funds for abortion access in the US. The female-led DAO delivers a fuck you to the system covered in cowgirl get-up and glitter. Hey everyone, welcome to Protein's Twitter Spaces. Thank you so much for joining us and for taking the time to be here today. Really appreciate it. And it's nice to see some familiar and some some familiar and some new faces. Um, I'll be your host for this episode and I'm so excited for this one. We've been looking forward to it for a while. Um, so make yourself at home and feel free to share the link to this episode on your Twitter. If you like what you hear, um, shameless plugs coming up, <laughs> make sure you apply to join Protein at protein.xyz and also follow Molly and Cowgirl Dow and Computer Cowgirls and keep track of what they're up to because they're doing some really amazing stuff. Um, so I guess I'll start by introducing myself as your host for today. So my name is Kess and I'm one of our community managers uh, in the Protein DAO. I focus mainly on setting up our events and leading our DEI work within the community. Um, I'm really passionate about gender justice and making digital spaces safer, which is why I'm also studying an MA um, in Internet Equalities at UAL's Creative Computing Institute in London. Um, I'm actually about to start a thesis, like, which is kind of imagining what would happen if women rebuilt the internet. So Molly and Cowgirl Dow have been like a really big inspiration in my research surrounding this idea. Um, so I'm really excited. Um, anyway, enough about me. I'll pass over to Molly, as it would be really great to hear from you, Molly, a bit about yourself and what you're up to at the moment. Yeah. Hi. Um, first, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. And um, yeah, I'm just super excited to be here. So thanks for organizing. Um, yeah, <laughs> several accounts. So I'll try to kind of explain how they all connect. Um, I'm Molly Dixon. I am a Texan-based um, artist, uh, a commercial artist, a photographer. And I jumped into Web3 in February with this very small Genesis collection that I named Computer Cowgirls, um, because why not? They're cowgirls on a computer. Um, they're all handmade. They weren't computer generated. Um, I didn't understand that at that time and I didn't have a dev. I kind of in some ways jumped in without knowing much about Web3, which I think um, maybe is an interesting part of the conversation just as far as how someone like myself has intuitively interacted with the space. Um, but anyway, I as kind of a response to SB8, which was the most restrictive abortion ban at that time, I launched the, the original small collection to raise um, fully primary and secondary sales all going to fight um, for abortion access in Texas. And we, we dropped in, in two drops and very quickly, I mean, we sold out each drop in minutes, really. Um, we raised $30,000 and donated to Fund Texas Choice. And so that was a little bit of a light bulb moment for me, um, first of all, because I came into the space, like I said, not really knowing anything about it. And of course, I didn't have any expectations for how my project would do necessarily, but it just, it felt like I, it was something to try. So after that, um, you know, of course, Computer Cowgirls, it's become a little bit of a larger idea and, and will be kind of a, a more fully flushed out Web3 brand in the future. But we had this idea to start Cowgirl Dow, which would be the continued nonprofit arm of Computer Cowgirls. And I, um, every collection would have, um, at least some percentage going towards Cowgirl Dow, and I would also be creating one of one pieces. Um, we hadn't quite worked out the time frame on that if it would be like once a month or quarterly, but that would be auctioned off um, and fully donated to Cowgirl Dow. With the the draft leak, um, we I, we pivoted a little bit, and our timeline, of course, um, jumped considerably with when we were planning on launching Cowgirl Dow and. 
we we kind of created a, a larger initiative that would focus more on a United States, a national effort um, beyond Texas. So we we created a collection called the Fuck You Collection, um, and it's it's three editions, uh, three pieces of art in three editions at three different price points. So it's it's ten thousand assets in total, but it's it's three shared tokens. Um, and so we launched that. I don't have the exact timeline. It was kind of all hands on deck and all hands on deck getting computer cowgirl ready. Um, and yeah, and we, I think between the two projects, we've raised um, a little over $70,000 since February. And obviously um, the 201 originals are, are sold out and you can buy them on secondary, but the, the 10K Fuck You collection, which is, um, I mean, it's it's kind of flashy. It's wild and, um, you know, like overstimulating <laughs> kind of like the rest of the work, but um, that's still minting, so that's something that we are continually um, able to raise money for or from, and we think we'll um, continue to raise money. Wow, it's so amazing. Thank you also first for sharing all of that. Um, it's so amazing to hear about your story and also the fact that you have sort of came into Web3 um, only in like February and said you didn't know much about the space and already you've done and accomplished so much um that I think so many people are so like aspiring to and um yeah I think you're really standing as like a icon in the space of how you can set something up really fast but do so much good with it so yeah it's very inspirational um (laughs) (laughs) I mean I definitely don't do it alone I feel like um you know I I think we're computer cowgirls I would say is a boutique small project our original collection was so small it that's just natural right but um, obviously, the community makes it, and the community um, is so pivotal in us being able to raise the funds. So definitely, I don't feel alone in the effort. But yeah, it does feel a little bit accidental, and um, <laughs> I would never have thought that I'd be here right now. Oh, it's so cool. Sometimes are when the best those are when the best things happen when you don't expect it. I think. Um, so I'm just wondering for people who might not know so much about what's going on in the U.S. at the moment. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the state of the abortion rights. Obviously, you are in Texas, but you also speak about the U.S. as a whole. Um, maybe you could just speak a little, a little bit about about that and how it directly relates to um, the DAO. Yeah. Well, um, I first of all, um, one of the reasons I love the DAO as an artist is I don't necessarily think that I am the expert on, um, you know, just the landscape necessarily of abortion rights and access in in the U.S. Um, legally, or even like the best way to spend the funds. So as an artist, I love the idea of the DAO as kind of bringing in people from all backgrounds um, that are collectors to kind of help with these decisions and also their understanding of what's going on. So. Basically, the draft leak um, obviously showed us that Roe would be overturned. And in hindsight, that kind of gave states that were going to have trigger laws go into effect. It gave them the heads up to get organized and get ready. So now that we officially have overturned, um, I think we have 12 states already that abortion is totally illegal or heavily restricted. And we're looking at something like uh, 20 plus, 20 to 26 that are likely to be an abortion. Um, and of course, um, Roe, versus, Roe v. Wade was um, based on the right to privacy. So the implications of that are, are larger. And um, obviously, there's we have more things at risk um, than abortion rights. But medical privacy and privacy alone, I mean, um, and other civil rights is just uh, <laughs> the list goes on and on and on. So it's it's honestly, it's a little bit hard to wrap your mind around fully about how many ways we might be affected. And um, and obviously it's concerning for people, uh, or it's concerning to me, people that think this might not affect them because um, it greatly affects us all. Um, so yeah, so in Texas, we are obviously one of the states where um, <laughs> we like really led the way in this effort. So it's, it's, it's been um, an interesting thing to to just see the logistics that go into um, these organizations that have been fighting for abortion access and also kind of see um, the funds that need to be raised to help an individual. I mean, I, the number that's been given to me is uh, for every person that needs to travel to receive an abortion, you're looking at needing to raise about $1,000 to $3,000 depending on where they are in the country, how long that travel is. And of course, that is not even considering time off work, child, you know, addition, their child care, whatever they have to leave um, to seek medical 
uh, services. So it's really our cowgirl DAO. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel as far as um, coming up with new ways to support. We really just want to raise money and support the experts that have already been um, focused on this and that are already organized and are really experts um, with dealing with reproductive rights. So that's what we're doing. And obviously, um, we're, we're raising money by minting NFTs and meeting with people that can help us decide the best way um, to spend our money. We, we've Our DAO has sort of been focused more on grassroots efforts, small organizations that are definitely underfunded. I think part of the problem is, is that, um, you know, no one necessarily feels super educated on this issue. I, that seems like across the board, people feel a little bit like um, they might know Planned Parenthood, but they might not know additional um, funds to donate to. So I think that's also kind of one of the neat things about our donation and donating Web3 is that it's super transparent. So we, we publish, you know, like which organizations we're donating to. And maybe that helps give um, a little more um, face to name of like people realizing who who they can possibly donate to and become more aware of other organizations. Mm, yeah, I think, um, I mean, obviously, firstly, it's just such a like horrific and like almost terrifying thing that's happening. And it's like really worrying for the rest of the world as well as everyone being impacted in it, um, by it within the US. Um, so I think it's really great as well that you're like really trying to support existing efforts rather than you know, trying to kind of like come on top of this whole new thing. Um, I wondered, I wanted to know like why you've obviously been interested in this for a while um, and uh, from experiences of everything that's been happening in Texas. Um, but I wanted to know like what, what specifically excited you and everyone else in your community um, about using Web3 tools in, in these efforts rather than sticking to more like IRL or, or like traditional fundraising methods? Yeah, well, like I said, I, when I jumped into this space, not really understanding much about the space, um, like everybody, it, you know, the biggest thing was wrapping your head around why NFTs, um, like why people want them, why people make them, why people uh, are interested at all really is kind of like the initial hurdle you have to wrap your head around. And so once I, somebody explained to me, um, you know, and I launched in February, so it was kind of the height of like PFP collections, collectibles, explained how collectibles worked, um, the collectability and gameability, um, and just also explained that a, a percentage of a lot of these projects go towards a cause. And I thought that was interesting. And then, you know, when, as an artist, obviously, um, the secondary model is really interesting, right? Because you have the ability to receive royalties and really set a project out into motion. Um, the community is the culture around your project, which is kind of nice because that is just, it, it, it happens naturally in a way. Um, and you can raise money long term. But that works really well, right, when you're thinking about raising money um, for a cause, especially one like this that is, um, one, it is time sensitive. So it is hugely beneficial to raise money quickly. And obviously, um, being able to sell out 201 assets in a matter of minutes, um, that definitely was something I saw in Web3 that I wouldn't necessarily have been able to do in Web2, uh, even though the production that, you know, the front end of it was probably similar. Um, so that was really incredible. And, um, and so, yeah, I think, I think just thinking about like secondary alone is really interesting. And then obviously I was a little worried, you know, cause we, I'm Texas based. It was kind of fighting for abortion rights in Texas. I was worried it might be a little bit of a local issue, but the initial collection, I think people gravitated to for a lot of reasons. Some people really liked the art. I think being an outsider, the art mm. stood out probably a little bit. Some people really cared about the cause and the art was like a bonus. Um, you know, there's really no way to say. I will say that with the launch of the second collection, it was really easy for us to um, to kind of organize and, and and come up with that really quickly because we, we knew where all of our collectors stood on this issue. We weren't you know, it wasn't like we were bringing a new issue to the table that we might not all be ideologically aligned on. So it was very easy with our existing collector base to kind of push that out. And of course, knowing that we're a boutique project, we reached out to a lot of other projects in the space and just said, um, basically like, Hey, can you support us? Can you throw a little muscle behind this? I mean, it's very transparent. Um, we, we donated the, the full fuck you collection on a contract level. It all goes through endowment. So we don't take any of the money. Um, I mean, I'm just like fully in the red, I think, since I've been in Web3. So don't, <laughs> don't ask me how to make personal money. Yet. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I think so. We, you know, a lot of projects did and um, that was really beneficial too, to have the support. Yeah, for sure. I actually, I did actually read about the fact that you're using or collaborating with endowment to distribute the the funds to like the organizations. Um, and yeah, how has it been? Like, obviously you're doing Web3 stuff and then most of the organizations you're working with, I guess, are like, you know, nothing to do with Web3. Like, how has mm-hmm. it been? How has it been like sort of building those relationships and kind of like bridging that gap when, when they're not sure um, about this Web3 world? Yeah, that was a big part of our early conversations when we were a little bit all hands on hands on deck after the leak. Um, we we kind of did a town hall meeting with um, people that were interested in Web three that were looking for a project that was working on this already, and obviously our existing collectors and and we were trying to figure out um, a streamlined way to kind of onboard existing organizations. The problem is, is that they're not going to do it. It doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't mm. make any sense right now to ask anything of them um, because they are already in every ask, you know, every aspect right now they are figuring out um, new logistics to work around um, new ways to fundraise. We want to be a really an additional fundraising effort on top of everything they're already doing. Um, so when we found endowment, it was really just the perfect match and, and what we were looking for. And it is incredibly easy. And I, obviously I'm not, um, I'm not, I don't work with endowment, like I don't work for them. So I can't speak on all the ins and outs, how, work, how it works. But any organization that is a 501c3, so a nonprofit that's in good standing, they basically are already on endowment. And then they just kind of have to like fill out one piece of paper to receive the money. And so they don't actually accept crypto. They are, um, it's being, it, they get it in US and USD. So it makes it super yeah. easy on our end. Yeah. And their end too. It's, it's like a really seamless process. So thank God for endowment. That's been um, just like a lifesaver in this process. Oh, I'm so glad that you found a way to sort of make it a bit easier and like make a, you know, a way that's easy for the organizations and, and for you to like work out the transferring of funds. Um, Cause I can imagine that was really difficult to, to get your head around at first. Um, yeah. I also wanted to ask you about your work. Um, I feel like your work, the images, the gifts, the moving images, everything are so like distinct and unique and like have such a playful energy around them. Um, do you think that this has made like Cowgirl Dow and like all the work you're making kind of, uh, I don't know, make, make this Web3 work feel a bit more like appealing and accessible for people who, you know, might already be interested in, in the cons- issues at, like, at hand, but not sure about Web3? Yeah, we've seen, especially with the Fuck You collection, um, a lot of people will buy multiples and they'll, they'll gift to somebody as their first NFT, or we've had several people come oh. into the space and that, and that is their first NFT. And I, it makes sense to me in some ways because it took a cause like this um, for me to become involved in this space at the time I did. I think eventually I would have come over anyway, just being, um, you know, an, an animator and, and kind of motion artist. But I think uh, sometimes like a, a reason or a cause gives people an idea of the possibilities and maybe how this is a little different than something like um, a GoFundMe, right? And um, And I do think... I do think uh, culturally, we watch, you know, culture follow technology. And I do think this this kind of extension of our digital selves that we've all become like really accustomed to online and um, and kind of showing what causes we believe in and also like what we need companies to show that, that they believe in. You know, we not being neutral, I think, is something that we've really seen since Black Lives Matter that we expect, um, you know, companies to to stand up for causes. So I do think we, we kind of are seeing that transpire in web three too and i do think i do think um being able to show that you kind of put your money where your mouth is besides like maybe a just an infographic like the notorious infographic post on instagram or whatever now it's like <laughs> you know you like it, it there is like that level of uh, awareness ism or like my favorite term is like slacktivism but i also think when it shows <laughs> that you've actually donated money um and then you're continually like helping to um promote a cause um, I do think that that is like a little bit of a better step, right? Um, and yeah, and I and the thing is too is we've also had people join Cowgirl Dow when they've when they've minted um, because they want to be even more involved and kind of helping us, um, you know, on a more intimate level with organizing 
and uh, and voting and deciding where the money goes. So I think that's cool too because I I do think in times like this having something tangible um, that you feel like you can do even with your skill set like cowgirl Dow, I mean we need just so many various um, you know skill sets if you're like. I don't know, a graphic designer, like we can use you. And so it's kind of amazing to be able to say, I, maybe this skill set wouldn't have like, I couldn't have seen how this would have worked for activism necessarily in web two, but it's so easily you can organize and activate your skill set in web three. So that's all been interesting to see. Mm, that is so interesting. Like I often, if I have like conversations with my friends where I'm trying to explain like what Web3 is or or why Web3 is a good thing, uh, especially to people who are skeptical, um, I'm always like, look, you can do really amazing activism work with it and mobilize really quickly and effectively with people like all over the world. And I always show Cowgirl Dow as an example. Um, and it always <laughs> makes people feel more positive about Web3. So there is definitely um, something in the fact that, you know, showing something for good is like a really, really positive, um, positive use case. And hopefully people feel like empowered that they can actually get involved and, and make the change as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that you guys have done a really good job of that. And even the language you use as well, like um, it must be you, you must have a lot of interest from people who are not native to Web3 who want to join like Cowgirl Dow or be involved in some way. Like how do you how do you go about onboarding these people that are new to Web3 like in, in the DAO? Do you have like a sort of specific process for that? Yeah, I always well I always say that Cowgirl Dow, I refer to it as a baby DAO, right? Because I think that we're all kind of um you know, we were obviously running before we can walk in some ways. And I, a part of that is just because we had the need to launch much earlier than anticipated. So, um, you know, so we're kind of dealing with that and we're always trying to figure out how to make our existing system more efficient. And DAOs, it seems it's so interesting to talk to anyone that has a DAO because they're so custom tailored to that specific project. And it, it's kind of just this like evolving model that we we're kind of figuring out as we go but the best part is you have kind of a group that helps do that together so it's not like I had to decide how this is going to be set up and run and then um and fill in some placeholders it's it's kind of an evolving process um that we're working on we do have a board which is about seven members right now that just kind of help um, meet regularly and come up with kind of little agendas and, and ideas of things we need to do obviously our full um our full DAO votes on any uh, fun, how we're going to spend any funds. And we also have a veto board um, that we're, um, we're using just to make sure we stay ideologically aligned. And, and that's just something that someone had brought to our attention early on is that um, to become a member of Cowgirl DAO, you have to own a bad habits pass. So you don't want the risk of, you know, somebody, an outside activist group coming in and buying up every single bad habits pass and then turning, um, the goal of the project. So basically our veto board, they have no, they're, they're experts in the field. Um, they have no voting power and all they get to do is just say like, no, basically for any proposal, um, <laughs> which, is, which I think it, you know, is like, and it really depends on, you know, how big of a mark you have on your back. I mean, even fundraising right now, maybe in a Texan is like, uh, it's a little iffy possibly fundraising for this, but I, I think it probably depends on um, like I said, how, how much you're on their radar. But um, I think that probably long-term might be something that we do have to worry about. So we're just, it's like little things like that that we're just trying to like tweak as we go. And um, and of course, just really it's in our Discord, people come in and they, they say, hey, I just bought a Bad Habits Fast and I'm in the Dow now and I can do this. <laughs> and so it's kind of just taking note and then saying, hey, I have this, um, I need I need help with this, can you do this? And, and that's kind of how we've worked. And I think because the DAO is small, like we have 200 members, it's, it, you know, and people are varying degrees of busy. I, I always say like, if you, if you have time, that's a huge asset. People tend to have money or time. They don't always have both. So, um, mm. you know, people that have the ability to donate some time, um, you know, say it's even one month or whatever, a couple of weeks or a day, like, that's hugely beneficial. So we try to tap into that as much as possible. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a work in progress. Oh, amazing. It sounds like you're doing loads of really like nice and thoughtful things to keep your community like very safe and comfortable and like collaborative. Um, I love the idea of a veto board. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it made me think about, um, yeah, I, th I feel like Cowgirl Down and all the work you're doing is having such a strong impact, like, 
outside of Web3, like on, you know, like for these people um, working in organisations to fight for abortion rights and access. And then also the people impacted by the work that those organisations are doing. Like it's really like the impact is like really rippling down into sort of like the in-person world. And I feel like you're also having, um, I mean, from my perspective, it feels like you're also having a really big impact within the Web3 space at the same time. Like I feel like, you know, you and Cowgirl Dow being like, uh, it seems like mainly female-led, like I feel like that's really powerful um, because obviously like there are loads of like amazing women and people of all different identities in the space, but it does still feel very dominated by like cis white males and, you know, tech bros and all of this. Um, so I wanted to ask you a bit about this side of Web3 and like maybe the, the dent that you're making in it. Um and I know that a lot of people uh, on talks that we've done before, like around this topic of sort of inclusion and belonging, um, have spoken about how, you know, the original intentions of Web3 were, were more about like creative liberation or, you know, liberation from old systems that aren't working for us. Um, and sometimes it feels like it's moving away from that. But I feel like what you're doing is very much uh, sort of adhering to that. So I wanted to ask you like how you think, we can do more to like protect these original intentions of the space and really harness the potential of the space to have a positive social impact like I think you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I will say um, coming into this space, especially working on a cause like this, it, it, didn't, it didn't occur to me right away, but it was pretty quickly that I realized how neutral or how apolitical Web3 is. Um, and so that's been interesting too, especially because I'm an artist. Everyone I know in my real life is um, definitely not in the middle. So it's been kind of a thing that way. Um, as far as uh, these like large um, men-dominated projects, I will say that I feel like most of the activism in Web3, you see it a lot in women-led projects, which I think is amazing. But I, I, I also wish that we would see a little bit more... Um, of these large, well, large original projects come on board, even to throw muscle behind a project, um, or just feel like, you know, they are, they have a stand, um, in this. It's kind of funny, right? Because we always say like, you need it, you know, if you don't have a uterus, you don't have a vote, which is so true. So true. But also like, we don't want people taking a back seat, especially when, you know, there's a huge gender gap already in web three. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so much money in Web3. It's ridiculous. So it's just kind of like, I don't know. That part is a little frustrating to me because um, I, I think it's like on one hand, you want to build the Web3 that you want. And on the other hand, like, let's not pretend like Web3 doesn't have the original problems of Web2, right? Like we've, we've all transitioned over. So it's kind of like kind of that constant fight of like, what do we want from this? And we just need to kind of demand it. Yeah, 100%. I love that. It's, um, it's, uh, it makes me think about my thesis question of what if women rebuilt the internet? <laughs> um, well, they should. I mean, that would be totally different. If it was like, <laughs> that would be like a whole dream scenario. But I mean, um, but yeah, it's, it, un unfortunately, it's being like two, and it feels like very two separate um, Web3 worlds a little bit. And mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily like you can see how how quickly the other the male dominated projects evolve and stuff. And so it is it's interesting because I'm not a I don't have a background in tech, and I think that's very common in like a tech space. But for an artist, you're like, what is happening? This is like something <laughs> I didn't quite I didn't experience on this level. Um, and web too. So for me, it's like a little bit of a highlighted issue that I'm always kind of like, how do we deal with this? <laughs> for sure. It's a lot to get your head around and like it's happening so fast and coming from all different angles all the time. It is so overwhelming. Um, and yeah, like you said, it is hard when there's like, you know, male projects or like male-centered projects, um, like being funded a lot more and a lot more energy put into them. Um, and you're just sat there like, why not me? Um, because I'm a woman, for God's sake. Um, so I wanted to ask you, like, how do you, like, along with all the work that you're doing, like, how do you think that we can bring, like, more power to under-resourced people and projects uh, in the space? Or if there's anyone else you've seen, like, doing, like, really good stuff um, in that kind of uh, way? 
You know, I'm not sure I have all of the answers necessarily for that, but I do think there's been, um, I mean, our project is small, so I feel like I've seen on some level just the ability of projects kind of banding together to lift each other up in like in groups to um, promote projects. I think that's so important, you know, um, and if you think about projects as like little Web3 companies, we don't see that really in the same way in Web2. So that is something that feels very unique because like say even our project that's raising money and just fully for this cause, you could have a, a larger project that's minting that could throw, like they could just make up utility and throw it at our project. Like if you own a fuck you, we're going to like put you in this raffle for a pre-mint or whatever, or you're going to get like early access. Um, so man, they could, they could just do that immediately. And it, it's so easy. And, and so that part is the organization part the ability just to kind of um, to lend support that way is very unique to me. And so, I mean, there might be better answers to the question, but for me, I would think just being able um, to help get eyes on projects, to support projects in that way, because that is one of the benefits is the lightning speed of this space. Um, and so it kind of is easier to magnify projects if you choose to. For sure, for sure. I feel like the speed of Web3 is something that can, like, be like really pivotal or really detrimental it depends it depends in what circumstance you're in I think but um yeah maybe I can ask you about like uh your growth and like or like and cowgirl Dow's growth um as you grew like very quickly how was how did you find this like managing it internally like how did that like feel and and how did you sort of like build around that No, I so relate when you say, like, it is, like, web, it's, like, the double side of the coin, right? Like, it moves fast. It's so great. Also, it's, like, so fast it's hard to keep up. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, I feel like I have a lot more stamina for this space now, even uh, being a few months in. I think that's why everybody refers to anyone that's been in for a couple of months as, like, an OG in some ways because, like, you've had to run this race for a while. And it's, like, it is – it's a fucking race. Like, it's so much energy. <laughs> and it's, it's a lot to stay involved Um And it's a lot to balance, too. So I think for me, it's just been kind of like a nice outlet, a nice way to to kind of um, throw my time and energy in a way that Mm. I might um, in a positive way, basically, because I think we're all kind of internalizing what's happening and um, dealing with it in our own ways. So that's been great. Obviously, um, for me uh, as a single artist, learning how to ask for support um, is like a hard thing personally, just because I, I tend, I work very much like a, a one man band kind of thing. Um, so being able to kind of like, uh, like figure out how to make this project bigger than me, which is my goal. And it, and it is something that I've seen um, the real benefits of is like letting it be beyond, beyond me and have a life of its own. And I think that's one of the cool thing about having a collector base is it inherently is, way more about you it's all these people um come to the table and and rally around the projects and a cause so that's really great um i mean i I, we're figuring that out too i think uh stamina is kind of like a web three topic but also activism like so like how do you um how can you make sure that you're not going to burn out quickly um when you're trying to raise a cause like this and it's so it's tricky right i think um computer cowgirls we, we do try to bridge that gap a little bit of like I, I just have noticed in our base um you know some people depending on where they are in the country or what their background is we might be the only community that has pro-choice in their life that they're a part of um and so sometimes they really they kind of need that and some people kind of like the idea they need like just to come in and like decompress around like a project that also is a little bit uh, flippant and loud and fun. Um, so it's kind of like this weird mix of both. Um, and and trying to balance that is tricky because, uh, I mean, it's just tricky for all of us right now. Like, we, we have to be able to think about how do we last, um, how do we not give in to overwhelm, basically, um, Web3 and, and activism for this. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot. I feel like, like you said, yeah, Web3 is a lot. Activism is a lot together. It's a lot. (laughs) Um, But like, I feel like everything you're doing and your whole community is doing is like, seems like you're like managing seriously well and like 
doing lots of good for loads of people. So it's uh, it's really, really inspiring. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you, um, if you don't mind, a little bit about your sort of personal story and how you got into this position um, to be doing all these things. Um, like just as far as the, well, okay, well, uh, so I feel like I'm, I feel like that I can say like firsthand that I am not like an activist person and web too. So in a weird way, it's given me like, um, the incentive or a platform and, and a, a way maybe that's just really seamless for me to do it. Um, that like all these things kind of align together. Um, I think the work I do lends itself to web three really well. I, my, I mean, I say if I'm a photographer and I do consider myself a photographer, but a lot of stuff I do is really, um, kind of collage and animation, uh, animation based, like really gift let's low fi, but it's, it's really intricate, really loud. And it's something I've been doing for, I don't know, probably five or six years. And it's about half my workload now. And it's definitely, um, the stuff I do that gets the most attention. And, uh, as a commercial artist, you know, I really, I work with brands and businesses directly. So I didn't have like a very forward, uh, public facing side of me. So being able to even have pieces or works I can create, um, that everyday people can own is very different platform wise. And of course I don't think about web three as a platform as much now. I think about it as a whole new medium, but uh, originally, you know, realizing that all of a sudden these gifts I made people can own them is hugely beneficial. So that was something that I, that, you know, everyone had kind of told me like, you should look into this and it is kind of a natural fit that way. I think as an artist, and I hate using that term because I'm a commercial artist. And I, I really, I think we use artists and art like way too liberally. It's just an easier term to say. Um, but I, I think that's like up for other people to decide if your work is art or not. But um, I, I do think being a photographer, at least, I've already, I'm kind of primed to come into Web3 because photographers have already kind of been like the redheaded stepchild of, of the, the fine art world, um, you know, you've already had to kind of go through <laughs> several technological leaps with digital and redefining in your head what what this evolving medium is. So it's not a hard jump to like say, okay, now I'm going to try this this new thing, um, and then combine that with being in Texas and just really wanting to stick it to Greg Abbott, um, and you see <laughs> is Peter Cowgirl. So <laughs> you know, I think that's probably sums up how I how I kind of ventured in this space and why it was a fit for me personally. Yes, love that. Um, it's really cool. It's so interesting hearing you speak about like, you know, all the different mediums you've been through and everything. And also I love what you said about Web3 as a medium. I've actually never thought about it like that before and it makes a lot of sense. And I think that's like a really interesting and also like healthy way to see it and like makes, yeah, yeah. I just feel like a light well, bulb took it off in my brain then. <laughs> no, it, it took me a while and at first like I, I really... I mean, I think artists always like resist like a, a new thing sometimes. Um, and I, I didn't understand like these generative projects. Um, it, it seemed like cheaper in a way, but I've like really grown to appreciate um, how this is a whole new medium. I think what we see right now with NFTs and, you know, I think it also really encourages the bad uh, reputation NFTs have as far as like what the art is, because I think it's really, we're like web 3.0, 1.0 right now. I think in the future, thing projects really have to start embracing the technology. But I do think for like NFTs in particular, especially when we're thinking about this cause, you know, it's interesting because you, NFTs can be evolving pieces of information. You know, you see some projects where like they the NFT adapts and it changes throughout the day depending on like what's being on, you know, uh, tweeted about or what the weather is. But imagine mm, I love them. Pieces, those pieces of information about how to. Um, maybe self-manage an abortion with like uh, the abortion pill in a state that's restricted or, or mm. it was information on like where, who to contact um, because that information is also being censored is a huge thing right now. It's like, um, what if these are, these are pieces that um, we could, we could own that are, are updating, but also, you know, like you own a piece, it's visible to the whole world. So you don't even have to own it to be able to access the information. Um, things like that, I think, I think there'll be interesting ways um, for this cause, maybe specifically that that can kind of be like honed in on, um, especially as we like head into our dystopian future 
you know, it's like maybe these are things. And, you know, just the anonymous level alone is like I being able to anonymously donate um, in states where that might be problematic too, but also yeah. have a very transparent like funnel of how the funds are used. It's like I think there are some – I think there's so many things that, that hit both of these buckets for what we need to fight right now and kind of what Web3 has to offer. So I'm kind of excited to see how people continue to, to use those. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely really, really exciting. And I and I, I love your like angle on it as well of like, yeah, there is loads of like really dystopic stuff happening, but there's also loads of really, you know, optimistic and positive stuff happening. Like that would be amazing, that idea you said about like having a sort of, you know, functional NFT that actually helps you in your like reproductive health. Like that would be life changing for so many people. Um so yeah, it's so so interesting. I love I love that idea. Um and I also wanted to ask you, because your work has been so specifically about like Texas and obviously all the cowgirl imagery, which is so great. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it so much. Um, I wanted to ask you if you've like, you know, have you always been in Texas? Like, did you grow up there or like, have you always lived there? Yes, I'm, a, I'm born and raised in Dallas. I, I don't think I've like really, I've like fallen in love with Texas, which is like so weird to say, I think right now, but I think <laughs> I've like fallen in love with Texas, like more and more the last few years. And like, maybe I identified more as a Texan. I mean, Texas is like one of those weird States where like people are very proud to be Texan, um, regardless of what, what all is happening. We, you know, I do think Texans have a lot of fight though too. And I think, um, you know, I, I feel very optimistic and I think Texas is a huge state where if we could turn Texas, I think, would have big implications, but, but yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know, just kind of like a crazy, like, um, turn of projects where I, j I had a lot of projects that needed these Texas animations. And so I kind of, I, I created some very long format pieces that were, um, install pieces for uh, one for a, comp uh, a hotel and another one for a museum, um, where I was just like really animating and like it was kind of they're both just like I love you notes to Texas in a way so I mean I and I I do love like really it's like you know like Americana stuff but there's like Texacana or it's like Whataburger and you know mm. all this cheesy stuff that I think is like I don't know so part of our culture in a way that I uh in a, in a cheap way that I kind of love it um and maybe that's just my fashion background is like kind of more of a flippant um view of of art and in some capacity, but <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like, uh, I, you know, the cowgirls kind of came in, um, they were kind of an extension of that museum piece I did for the, it was for the cowgirl hall of hall of fame in, um, in Fort Worth. So, so, so cool. yeah, I've, I've been living with like cowgirls in my life for like months on end. And then I was just like, man, I should make these just to like, to stick it to Greg Abbott and that would be fun. And, and so that's kind of just like, <laughs> That was like just a little bit of like an idea and then I just did it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love the fact that like obviously you're speaking about something very negative happening in Texas, um, but using like really fun and like playful like iconography from it and just the really using like really playful like images and language to sort of tackle that issue is, is really powerful and and yeah, it works so well. Um, Thank you. So did you, like, you've obviously been had a background as a photographer and now you're, like, sort of more working with moving images and stuff. Did you, what was your education like? Did you, like, go to uni to do that or did you just, was it just, like, a passion? Um, yeah, I, I do have a BFA. So I have a, um, a fine art degree in photography, although I, you know, Dallas is a decent um, advertising and commercial photography hub, so... I think I always knew that I would probably not really pursue a career as a, a fine artist and I would move into the commercial space. Um, and so that's exactly what I did really. Um, and, uh, and, you know, assisted, I lived in Florida for a while and I hated it. <laughs> I moved back to Texas. Um, so, so yeah, I've been here and, and working for about like 15 ish years. Um, and, been, yeah, it's been kind of a, a work or a changing landscape. I, I've always kind of done my own thing a little bit. And I think um, maybe, you know, right around the time of like Instagram and social media, I think uh, my work is always translated for an evolving platform in some ways, because I do, you know, I do a lot of like 
animation ads and, and stuff that really is, is computer-based, online-based. People view it that way. So watching, watching things move out of like print publications and into more digital formats, it's a good fit for me probably just personality wise and uh, style wise. So, um, so yeah. So cool. So cool. Um, you're like the cowgirl queen of Texas. <laughs> um, it's so funny cause I don't even have like a cow. I don't have a cowgirl hat or like boots or anything. I'm like, <laughs> most like cowgirl loving person that doesn't like it all resemble that at all. Only online. I feel like if you have it online, you still have it. <laughs> <laughs> There's my digital wearables. I've got lots of wearables. <laughs> so cool. Um, uh, what do your, like, I feel like when I think about myself and I speak about what I'm doing to my family, it's like, I feel like they still don't understand what I'm doing. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about how, like, how your family um, sort of reacted to what you're doing. Like, are they involved or, yeah, what, what do they think? Um... I don't think they really understand what's happening. <laughs> I it's funny my entire career. I mean, I've um, you know I've shot for some some bigger brands. I've, I've done stuff for Ferragamo. My mom like literally she doesn't care. She she like she I could be telling her like what I'm eating for dinner and um, in the same breath like she doesn't it doesn't hit her in any way. But um, <laughs> with this project we did early on, we got um, the Washington Post reach out to us and, and they did a, yeah. a story on us and that was the very first time that she's been like sending stuff to her friends so I was like this is so interesting in a way I think she I think uh, to see how you could do it for for a cause I think is really like to her makes it you know advertising is advertising so it's not like super exciting to be like uh this is what I'm doing but um I don't know maybe that was like her moment where she was like wait this is cool (laughs) oh (laughs) That's really cute. Yeah, and I saw that article in the Washington Post, and it was so good. Congrats. Oh, thank you. Surprising, <laughs> but I mean, all of it has been, really. Oh, no, it's really cool. It's really cool. Um, cool. I wanted to, I know I'm conscious of time, and we've only got, like, a little bit less than 10 minutes. So I actually wanted to see if anybody in the audience has any questions at all. Um, if you do, feel free to, like, request, and we can bring you up to speak. Also, if you don't feel like asking any questions, totally fine as well. I'll just use this time to um, do a shameless plug for the Fuck You collection. If anybody wants to share it, um, it is still minting. So, um, like I said, 100% uh, proceeds for primary and secondary, obviously, will go to this. uh, And Cal Dow decides how we spend the funds. It's all through endowment. And the minting site is in my bio, but it's also (laughs) 10kfuckyous.com. Yeah, everybody get involved. Like a little satisfying way to say fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh my god, I love it so much. Whenever I show anyone, they're like, "Yeah, this is this is just great." (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like we need something like this in the UK for to be against our government as well. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that's the cool thing too is that we've seen a lot of projects, um, especially since Overturn, launch and also raise money for this, and so. Um, you know, it's been inspiring to see like how many other other groups are are thinking about this. Um, or even like the hug uh, that project did something really interesting where they did a group mm. buy for us, where they kind of rallied around. They used Prism and they just um, within their community, whatever they had, they could donate. Like um, even if it was like point zero zero one ETH or whatever, they would uh, they gathered it all together and they minted as many of our top tier. NFTs as they could, and I think they within that one community they raised four or five thousand dollars, and then they wow. did a really interesting thing where then they auctioned or they raffled off those pieces to people outside their community. It was like you know like a kind of a classic like tag people that care about this cause and follow us. So then they kind of used it to like amplify, um, but like not only their own project which does a lot of great work, but the cause too. So I thought it was like that was such an interesting way to to kind of think about it and and work with it. So I'd love to see that like replicated within other projects. I think, um, like I said, that's I think kind of a really good example of like Web three having creative solutions or different mm. ways people kind of use the same technology. For sure, that's really nice. I think that's a really nice way to also like, uh, especially when you're having like a positive social impact to like show up in different spaces and sort of try and spread spread the impact a bit. I think that's really nice. Yeah. 
Um, cool. I'm guessing nobody has any questions, which is fine. Um, but yeah, I was going to just end on like how should people like best contact you or get involved with Cowgirl Dow? Um, you obviously mentioned the minting already. Um, yeah. Um, through, <laughs> I have multiple Twitter accounts um, and <laughs> <laughs> computer cowgirls. I, we have the link tree in the bio where you can um, kind of see our Discord and our website is computercowgirls.io. So you can get more information there. You can come in Discord. You can slide into my DMs, and I'm I'm trying to be better about. I swear, I get so many DMs sometimes that I I'm really like I am that artist like cannot remember to reply to some. Um, but I'm trying to go through and catch up on all of them. But all of those things, those different ways, are um, somebody for sure will be able to to spot you and um, answer any questions you might have or tell you how to be involved. Amazing. I actually thought of one last question. Since you said you have loads of wearables, um, I wanted to oh, ask you what your favorite thinking. thing is. <laughs> I was like, oh, I think the future will have like, for sure, like these like crazy, like loud, tacky computer cowgirl wearables. I don't know. I, I love, I do like so many of their clothes and it's like a whole different persona. Um, <laughs> they're real matchy matchy. Cowgirl fashion is so matchy matchy and, uh, and yeah, loud. very coordinated. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know if I have a favorite. I do. I do like some of like the, the 10 gallon hats with like fringe. Um, you know, like where like everybody has like their kind of like celebrity collector that like they would be super psyched about. And I think like for me, be like Erica Badu, I think she would be Oh amazing. my god, yeah. She would rock one of those. I know, and she's like such like a Texas treasure. So um yeah, I think I always I always gravitate sort of towards those hats because they remind me of her and I think she's super cool. <laughs> oh, oh my god, that is that is goal is to have Erica Badu wearing your cowgirl hat. <laughs> I would die. I would die. <laughs> oh that's such a fun thing um well yeah i think that we can end there thank you so much for your time it's been honestly so interesting and inspiring to hear everything about your journey um like personally and with everything with cowgirl dowl and computer cowgirls so thanks so much for joining us and for taking the energy and time to share everything with us no thank you thank you so much for having me this was great Thank you. Everybody go follow Molly and Kyle right now. All the different uh, Twitter accounts. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, everyone.